Welcome to the Joey Miller Podcast. I'm Pastor Joey Miller from Champion Christian Center, and I am so happy that you tuned in with us today. We have so much to talk about out of God's Word, and you are going to be blessed. But let me just remind you, before we jump in, don't forget to check out joeymiller.co for all sorts of resources, from merch to Bible studies to podcast notes to blogs. You will be blessed, so check it out today. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. If you're enjoying it and you want to share it with a friend, a great way to let us know is to like it, to share it, and to subscribe. So make sure you do that as well. Well, let's get into the Word together. We're going to get into the Word. How many of you came to get into the Word tonight? I want to share a message uh, with you entitled, Through It, Through It. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be camping out a little bit in the book of Exodus. So you could turn with me to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. If you're not familiar with the Bible, that's okay. This is the story of Moses bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. They have been in slavery and they have been crying out for a deliverer. And so we're catching up to this story that they are now actually on their way out of Egypt, out of slavery. And so in, in chapter 13, uh, Moses is instructing the people. He's saying this in verse 3, that Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. And he goes on to tell him other instructives. And then he says this, today in the month of Abba, you're going out when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you in a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. And so he goes on and keeps repeating himself. Verse 13, when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites that he swore to you. When, 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 when. So we see here that Moses is bringing them out of slavery and into their promise. So God's taking his people out of a place where they had to make bricks and they were treated badly. And he wants to take them into a place of abundance. And Moses is reiterating to the people here, the Israelites, he keeps telling them when it happens, it's going to happen, this is the promise, Uh, and and so he keeps reminding them, because there's going to be a through moment, there's going to be a through moment, and uh, I want to take a minute and talk to you about some through moments. Have you ever had a through moment where you knew the only way to get to the other side was to go through? I'm going to tell you a story, and my husband will be mortified. In fact, my daughter is sitting on the front pew, and she will also be shocked. Because if you know me at all, I'm a very modest person. Uh, not because of anything, it's just the way God created me. So uh, I try not to do anything embarrassing in front of my husband, because um, I, I, I just... I just try to be as ladylike as possible. Now, my children are not that way. Like, they'll burp and fart and, like, let the whole nine yards go. Um, In fact, my boys in front of their girlfriends, I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? And, like, she still really likes you because that's disgusting. So... (laughs) Maddox, I remember, for the first few years of his life, was convinced that women didn't use the restroom because he never saw me using the restroom. So uh, he was really confused that girls actually did go to the bathroom. So as I'm, I'm, I'm teeing you up for this story so that you know how out of character it is for me to share this with you, this means that I love you all. 
And it also means that this is our word of the year free and I just really don't care anymore. So, um, <laughs> in fact, when I shared this story with my husband, he said, that is such a funny story. He said, too bad you can never share that with anybody. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> So, my husband and I were in the middle of a colon cleanse. Has anyone ever done a colon cleanse? Well, you know, I, I had taken these little natural colon cleanse pills, and I was going about my day, and I had, to I had to take my husband to drop our vehicle off to be serviced, and so I'm driving back. It's about a 20-minute drive, and, and just before I hit the highway, I'm like, that feels a little strange. I'm sensing some movement, hearing some noise coming. Uh, and I'm sorry, all the men in here. I really can't believe I'm sharing this story. Um, <laughs> you'll either like check out and won't look at me for the rest of the service. So you'll be like, I like her. I like her better now. Um, so, so I feel it. And then so I'm like, you know what? I got to stop. I just have to stop. So I, I get out of the car and I run into a Walgreens or a CVS or whatever's nearby. And I'm like, I can make this. I can make this. This is where I'm like, you're anointed to do hard things, Joey. And I'm like <laughs> commanding my body. Like, you will not, you will not go. Like, you know, I'm pulling out all of the stops. And so I, I'm halfway there and I'm walking down the aisle and I'm like, I can make it. I can make it. And I feel a floodgate open. And so um, I'm like, oh, dear Jesus. And so I just keep walking, keep walking, just need to make it. So I go, and, and it was just as horrible as you could probably imagine uh, colon cleanse could be. And so I, I look at the, the damage, and I'm like, you know what? I'm the only one in here. It's early in the morning. I'm just going to clean it up. So I'm, I'm trying to clean. I'm getting napkins, and I'm trying to clean everything up. I'm wiping my legs. Yes, I know, visual, right? This is gross. Are you all grossed out? Ava, are you shocked I'm sharing this story? So... <laughs> And so I'm trying to clean up, and I'm actually, like, trying to, to wipe off because, okay, here's where it gets really good or really bad. I have a long dress on, and I have something tied around my waist, and I have, like, a really cute pair of really expensive white shoes on. And I'm looking down, and I'm like, no, <laughs> why, God, why? And so, uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm literally taking my shoe off and wiping it down in the sink, and, and the lady walks in, the worker. And her response was, <laughs> and you know, confession is good for the soul because I wish I was like, I know I was sick, but I was like, I know, right? This is disgusting. <laughs> and I was like, actually, like, I think I stepped on it. It's all over the floor, you know, like this is just horrible. And so um, I, I try to make my way out as quickly as I can, and she's just disgusted. I hear her um, putting a, a sign up, and she's telling the guy that works there, like, it's a mess in there. Don't go in the bathroom. Like, and I'm humiliated. I'm walking out, and as I'm walking out, I'm realizing, like, the trickle started sooner than I thought it did. And I'm seeing all of this stuff, and I'm like, just get out of here. And I'm feeling really bad for the lady. I'm like, this poor lady does not get paid enough. And, um, you know, I'm like, what should I do? And, and so I would just wanted out. Well, sometimes the only way out is through because I get to the car and I think I made it through. I made it through. I just need to get home. I just need to get home. And I sit down and I go to start the car and there's no keys. And at this point, I've assessed every possible way of escape to get out of this situation. 
I'm like, okay, uh, uh, how can I get my keys? Because I know where my keys probably are. They're in the bathroom stall. In the midst of my whirlwind of experience, I set them down in the bathroom stall where the explosion was. And so I'm like, oh, um, the only way out of this situation, like the only way to get in my car and actually drive home, I'm thinking I could leave my car here, like abandoned ship. I, I'm trying to think of all of these things because to a normal person, it was probably humiliating. But to me, Miss Modest, it was super humiliating. And so uh, I was like, you know what? I just have to do this. I have to do something I don't want to do. So I quickly walk in as quickly as I can. I could still hear her lamenting about how disgusting the bathroom was. I sneak in, I pass the sign in the closed bathroom, and I, uh, I grab my keys and I book it out of there as quick as I can. And I'm like, Lord, please just bless her. Just bless her in some way. Like, let, let someone come and give her like $1,000 randomly or something for what she has to do. But I share that to say there's moments in our life that the only way out is through. Can anyone relate to me? Like, like if we could escape, not that you did something as atrocious as I did, but, but can anyone relate that sometimes we would rather go a different route? We would rather not have to go through the crap, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, of course. <laughs> we would rather not have to go through uh, maybe the humiliation. We would rather not have to go through it. We would love to think of a way around it. I remember when I got pregnant the first time, I was like, oh, yes, and I was carrying around the stick and so, so excited, and, and you know how that is? You know, you just can't wait to wear maternity clothes, and I was still, like, it was my first child, so I hadn't, like, blown up, so I was still, like, little at that point, and I remember standing in front of the mirror, like, trying to bloat my stomach, and do you think it's time for maternity clothes yet, and, 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 and so that was my experience, and then by the time I had my firstborn baby, I was, like, people would look at me when I was going through the mall, like, I was, like, humongous, so I knew the process of through. So we had four more kids, and every time, I would be so excited when I took that pregnancy test, and it was positive, and then my excitement would quickly turn into, oh, dear Jesus, I know the through. I know the through. I know the only way this baby is getting out is through. <laughs> through the process, through the pain. You know, it's like the, past the point of no return. And, and so there's things in our life that God wants to do that, that, that requires a through. And we're going to talk about that for just a second But I want to talk to you about the Israelites because it goes on to say this. After Moses promises the Israelites, he tells them, you know, this is going to happen. You're going to get to the promised land. It's not a, a question of if, it's when you get there, when you take the land, when you defeat your enemies, when, when, when. And then it goes on to say this. It says that that Moses actually couldn't take the people to the quickest route to get to the promised land because he feared that if they faced adversity, if they had to fight, they would actually turn around and go the other way. But it says, but instead, the Lord led them, the Lord led them to follow the desert road towards the Red Sea. Now, in this moment, you're thinking, well, God brought them out. Like, God wanted them to have the promised land, so why wouldn't God just, just, just make it all happen? Just like, whew, right? 
Like, why wouldn't it just all quickly come to pass? Because in our lives, here's what we want to do. God gives us a promise, and, and, and he, he puts a desire in our heart, and we want to take it from point A, and we want to be magically transported to point C. And, and God doesn't work like that all the time. See, there's a bad theology uh, on both sides of the spectrum. One is that God, he just wants me to suffer in the through. He just wants me to camp out in the through. He just wants me to, to always be going through something. Have you ever talked to someone who they're just always going through something? He wants us to pitch our tent in the through. Uh, but then there's the other side of the spectrum that we think that if, if Jesus loves us and if the Bible is true, then we'll never have a through. So it's a gap between our experience and our theology. And what we do in that gap is so, so, so important when it comes to the area of our faith. Because we believe that the Bible is true. The, the second we pray, the Lord hears us. The second we pray, God is answering. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith. We believe in the now faith, that the second that you pray, something happens. But then there's the process sometimes of carrying it out until you see it manifest in the flesh. Once again, Moses told the Israelites, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. In your, in your through process, we need to remember it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. No, I prayed it. The Bible said it. I'm standing on it. It's the process of through that you say, God, what are you doing in this process while I'm carrying this promise to the promised land that you're doing in my life? See, there's a word in Greek, and it's ek. Ek. Say ek. <laughs> I don't know Greek. I, Rachel was with me this weekend. I pull all these Greek words, and it sounds like I'm really smart, and I know Greek. I don't speak Greek. In fact, if you speak Greek, you probably know I'm pronouncing this wrong. It's Greek for the word now in, the, in the scripture when Moses is bringing them out of and taking them through to the promised land. It, it's out of or from. Out of or from. So he's taking them out of Egypt out of slavery, and that's what we think of when we think of leaving something, starting a process where we're going from one place to another, when we're going through something. But there's another Greek word, and it's actually dia, D-I-A, and it actually means to, to move through, to go forward, to actually go to an appointed purpose or appointed place. And so, when Moses was bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, they thought that they were getting some ek. Like, I'm leaving, I'm leaving Egypt in slavery, and now I'm going to magically appear in my promised land. And, and that's not the case at all. God said, look, I'm going to take you the Dia route. I'm going to take you through some things. But not for, any, not for no reason. I'm going to take you through them. So that you're moving towards the purpose and the plan and the way that I created you and the things that I had for you. What did the Bible say, the verse that we read? It said that the Israelites couldn't go the path of least resistance because if they faced any sort of battle or adversity, they would turn around and go back to Egypt. In fact, if you read the scripture, it goes on to say that they actually started to complain 
to Moses. Whenever they, they heard that Pharaoh was coming, they started to say, why wouldn't you just let us die in Egypt? Were there not enough grave sites there? Why did you bring us out of this place? Now, we might say they were just scared, but do you remember Moses spoke over them? Like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get to your destination And how many times when we're in that place where God is taking us through from from whenever we receive and know that God has heard our prayer and answered our prayer till we see it manifest and we walk in the fulfillment of our promised land, do we have those moments where we're like, God, if I'm going through something, then what, did you just bring me to this point so that I could die, so my dream could die, so my desires could die? Did you just bring me to this point uh, so, so that I, you know, you say you want to heal me, but I, I'm walking through now and I still have symptoms. Does that, what are you doing here, God? And it's not that God ordains hardship or he wants us uh, to, to walk through any sort of suffering for the sake of suffering. But as a New Testament believer, uh, we're going to see everything through the light of victory. He promised them victory is yours in the promised land. And so tonight, if you're going through something, you don't have to go through things like an unbeliever. You don't have to go through things like the world goes through things. You don't have to go through things feeling like you're alone and you're abandoned. You go through things in the view and the perspective of the cross of Jesus Christ. You go through things knowing that you're going to come out on the other side in victory. And that changes everything. That changes us wanting to retreat back and say, this is too hard. I can't do this. It changes our perspective on it. So God actually led them. That way, and it goes on to say that that he took them that way so that his glory could be revealed through adversity. That they would learn that God was actually fighting for them. That God actually put a, a pill, two angels, one in front of them and one behind them to protect them. One was, uh, he had a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day to shade them. They had protection, they had provision while they were going through it. That nothing would harm them. And, and in fact, it gets to the point where Pharaoh's armies are coming and they're, they're pursuing the people of God. And it says the angel that was in the front actually went to the back to make sure not one was hurt. Not one was left behind. I want you to think about that in light of whatever you're going through. Going through it. I mean, we want... We want the heck. We want to get out of that situation. You know, I think about the times in my life where God was working on me, and and I was going through it, and I felt like God had his big old thumb just holding me still, and I was squirming, trying everything that I could do to find an alternate path, finding everything that I could do to, like, find the nearest exit escape door to get out of, of, of the through. And I just want to remind you today that if God brought you to it, his grace will bring you through it. That he hasn't abandoned you. That that he's watching over you. That whatever you're going through, you are operating uh, under his protection. That you're operating under his provision. That God is actually watching over, Jeremiah says, the promise to see it come to pass in your life. It might not feel it like it in the through. 
The people of God were like, what the heck? God's brought us out here. We, we prayed for someone to rescue us, and it would be better if we were back there. We, we might as well turn back because we're going to die out here. Do you feel like you're going to die and you're through? Do you feel like it's never going to happen? Maybe you don't feel like you're physically going to die, but do you feel like maybe your dream is going to die? Do you feel like maybe your marriage is going to die in the through? Do you feel maybe, uh, maybe like the promises that God had spoken over your life, they're not going to come to pass in the through? Because God calls us through things, the book of James says, to strengthen us and make us stronger. So that when the promise does come to pass, we now have the spiritual strength to fight the battle. We now have the, the tenacity and the courage to stand up and say, no, this is mine I saw God move heaven and earth to give this to me, and this is mine, and I will fight for it. I'll contend for it. Because the enemy loves us to quit in the through. He loves for us to set up a pity party and say, it's never going to happen. Think about all the times that we see through in the Bible. I think about uh, in Psalm 23, where it says, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. When I walk through it, you know, I remember that particular psalm um, a couple years ago, almost to this time, my sister was in the hospital and she wasn't doing well. She, she passed away. And I remember going to the chapel of the, of the, of the hospital and sitting there and just reading uh, the psalm because I was going through it. I had to walk through it. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to be a part of that process. Have you ever signed, you felt like you didn't sign up for something that you had to walk through? I didn't want to be in that moment, but that's where I was. And I didn't know what else to do. So I went to the chapel. How many of you know that's a good place to go? And I read that, that psalm, and, and though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, walk through, walk through. We need to, to, to transition our mindsets from, from that, we, that we're just going through something to he's walking through it with us. He's by our side. The Bible says he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. God is always, always with us, with us. But sometimes the through is hard work. Sometimes the through is uncomfortable. Sometimes the through uh, is God getting into our business and we don't want him to get into our business. Sometimes through feels like you just made a big mess in the middle of Walgreens and you don't know where to go from there. But whatever it is, God is walking through it, walking with you through it. He didn't leave them. He had his protection about them. He was, he was with them the whole time. And what I love about this, this passage of scripture is, you know, we see here that these people, they, they saw the miraculous hand of God, and yet they still had trouble staying in a place of faith. And it reminds me how much we have to, have to really fight for our faith in those moments, that, that we need to guard our faith in those moments, that there's going to be moments that maybe it feels like you're walking through the desert aimlessly, and you have to remind yourself that God said, when I take you to the land that's flowing with milk and honey, 
When I restore your health, when I restore your marriage, when I give you that baby, when I allow you to see a bank account that's not in the negative, when I encouraging yourself and who God is in those moments to keep strong. You know, I think about uh, a butterfly and I think about how a cocoon is formed. Has anyone ever done those things with your kids? We used to do it all the time. We'd order it and then we'd see these little caterpillars and, and soon enough they would get into a little cocoon and it looked like they were dead. It looked like a coffin. And it was in that process that they were actually changing and metamorphosizing and becoming something beautiful. And, you know, maybe you're at that place and you're through. You're in the process where you feel like almost dead. And like I said, that's not everybody. Some of you come in here tonight and you're like, I just wanted a girl's night. Woohoo! Like, that's great. That's where you're at in the process. Just wait. You'll get your through. <laughs> But maybe you feel like you're in the cocoon and, and you're like, oh, I don't see any life. I don't see anything beautiful around me. It just looks stale. It looks plain. It looks dark. It looks like desert. It looks like I don't even know where God is in this moment. And, and you know, if you try to break out of that process too soon, it's destructive to the butterfly. It's destructive to the caterpillar. It's destructive to the process of what is trying to happen for it to evolve into what it was meant to be. Beautiful, in all splendor, flying, taking flight. But how many of us try to break out of the cocoon in the through? We're like, God, no, like, I, I, I want out of this thing. It doesn't feel beautiful. And I want to remind you tonight that the word of God doesn't say that he takes beautiful things and makes ashes of them. It says that he takes ashes and makes them beautiful. So even if you feel like you're stuck in that cocoon, don't abort the process. Don't jump ship. Don't try to tap out. Uh, you know, don't, don't try to, to get out of it early or think of an excuse of why you actually don't have to obey the word of God, that you could take a side route to things and get around the through. No, yield yourself, surrender to the process, and see what God will do in your life, in your life. Well, I want to talk to you really quickly. I want to give you three things that the Israelites did uh, that were wrong that will keep you in, stuck in your through. We don't want to be stuck in our through, right? We want to get to the other side of the promise. We want to get through it. And, you know, I, I wanted to just talk about this today because sometimes you just need someone else to be like, yeah, I went through it. Yeah, I went through it. And, and it sucked. But God is faithful. God is faithful. There's a whole aspect in the Bible. Uh, there's actually a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. And in the conference that I spoke on this past weekend, one of the sessions was uh, creating spiritual disciplines. And I always, I love this topic. And so we were talking about Bible reading and prayer and fasting and giving and all of these amazing things. And I had never, I never added this to the list. But I had been through some stuff. How many of you know through changes the way sometimes that you appreciate the battle? 
And so uh, I said, you know what, another area of spiritual discipline that we need to learn to do is to lament. Now that doesn't sound, if you listen to anything that I say, I'm like a strong word of faith, strong declaration. And, and I was almost even surprising myself. Have you ever done that? Like sometimes we get so Christianized and so religious, I almost fell. That would have been funny. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> that, that we, we don't go back to what the Bible truly says. I remember reading the book of Psalms at one point in my life and being like, oh, that's not biblical. Like David just said something that's not biblical. It's anti-biblical. And I'm like, wait a second, this is the Bible. Like, <laughs> step back, take a break. So, but, but, so I started to study this aspect of lamenting in the through. And I want to talk to you about this for just one second before we get into these three points. And it'll actually launch us into our first point. Because lamenting before the Lord is you just being honest in the process. You lamenting before the Lord is actually a healthy expression to say, God, I don't know why I'm in the desert right now. I don't know why I'm in this part of the process. I don't understand maybe why I have to walk through this because in my mind, you should have just taken me from Egypt and planted me in the promised land. I know you could have done that, God. Like, I know you could have done that. So why? Why? And if we're not careful in the process of the through, we think we just have to muscle through the through. Like we have to put on our best game face, our best fake face, and just go through. Some of you are in the through right now. That's what I felt like when I, I came up to welcome you. Yet you come in to church every Sunday. How are things going, sister? Great! Amazing! And, and I'm sure that they are, but... but why don't you be honest with yourself and with God? So, you know, I could use a little prayer. You know, I'm, I could use a little prayer right now. I could use a little word of encouragement. I, I could use a friend right now. Go into your L groups. How's everything? Great. Leaving. Man, I, feel, I still feel like crummy, and I didn't share it with anyone. Lamenting is just a moment of honesty, not a tent where you camp out there and stay there. That's self-pity and victimization. But it's a moment of honesty. It's saying, God, I know what your word says. I know what my situation looks like. I know what you promised me. I know what my circumstances are saying. It's taking the fact and saying, how, how is this fact going to try to impact my faith? And saying, I'm not going to try to hide what I'm feeling from you, God. But we just need to have a moment, a moment where I'm bare before you and I tell you, like, uh, this stinks. David, in the book of Psalms, he says, well, how long, Lord, have you forgotten about me? How long? He was lamenting. He was lamenting. He's not bipolar. I, sometimes you're, like, reading it and you're like, David, like, get it together here. Yeah. How long? But you see then the transition, he says, but oh, my soul will praise the Lord. But oh, you are faithful, God. So lamenting is taking that moment and saying, I'm going through it. I'm going through and my enemies seem like they're coming against me and it seems like the battle's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. See, you're through sometimes. It might not feel like it's pushing you forward. Adversity sometimes doesn't feel like it's causing momentum and pushing you forward but it is. 
In fact, a lot of times it feels actually like it's pushing you down or pushing you back. But that's the difference between walking through something with the Lord and doing it in your own strength. Then in the world, they are getting pushed back. But through faith, no, through faith, you are going forward. You're being propelled into your destiny. God's actually pushing you forward into your promised land. But it's easy for us in that moment to try to fake it until we make it. And so God wants, God wants us to be honest. Who are you trying to, to fool or, or, or kid anyway? God's like, no, you're not okay. <laughs> you're not okay. Well, you, know, you need to deal with this. And so it's being bare and honest before God and saying, you know what? This is how I feel. I'm not camping here. I know what your word says. So even though this is how I feel or, or maybe uh, you know what I'm believing for, God, and I know my husband is still being a jerk and you know he's still being a jerk, but even so, I know you're going to change his heart. Or, God, I don't know why I lost that loved one. I know what your word says, and I know what I was believing for. But even so, God, I know you are healer. God, I know what your word says about money, but you know what? I, I also know that I went to the grocery store, and I feel like uh, you know, I'm tired of having my card rejected. But even so, you are provider, God. Yes. You're Jehovah Jireh. Yes. And, and so it's those moments of honesty with God. And it's, it's a great spiritual act, but, but here's what happens, and this is point number one, that the Israelites, where they got it wrong. You can't let your limitations turn into complaining. Because when we do that, it's actually, it, it, just as faith is a magnet for God, when we complain, it, it dispels. It, it, God can't take it. He has to be removed from that. Grumbling and complaining is what kept the Israelites roaming around in the desert. That God had given them the promise. He had given them the provision. He had given them the protection. And yet all they could do was focus on the desert. All they could do was focus on what wasn't happening. Do you know that God actually, it says that he, he made it so that their clothes and their shoes wouldn't wear out. Instead of being like, praise God, like our clothes and shoes aren't going to wear out. Do you know what we would be like? I have to wear these stupid shoes in the desert for all of this time. You know, come on, God. Like I'm, This outfit is so last year. Like, I can't believe we're still doing this. And, and we complain our, our way to a point where we're walking in circles round and round and round and round. And God is saying, hello, would you please just shut up? Like, keep your mouth closed so we can get to the promised land. Stop telling me what I'm not doing. Just like gratitude attracts the presence of God. Didn't it feel good when we sang that song, Gratitude? Thinking about all the times that he uh, didn't fail you, all the, t all the good things in your life. Well, if you complain, you're focusing on what's not happening. And it's basically like saying, God, you failed me and you're always going to fail me. You're always going to let me down. You're not going to bring us to the promised land. Our enemies are going to defeat us. We're never going to walk uh, into the best that you have for our lives. Complaining. Complaining. Don't complain. Because the enemy wants to use your words against you. He wants to keep you trapped. He wants to keep you uh, in a place that you never move forward. When you're complaining, instead of moving forward in the through, you're doing this. Circle. Circle, circle. And God's like, it's not about my faithfulness. It's about your mouth, sister. 
clean up your words. Stop trying to speak against what God is trying to do in your life. I love the saying someone uh, preached on words, and they said the enemy will use everything against you, just like a, a police officer says anything that you say can and will be held against you. That's what the enemy, he wants in that moment where you feel pressure, when you feel like, God, where are you, to start then speaking it, to start saying, God, you're never going to show up. My husband's never going to serve you. My bank account's never going to be great. My body's never going to be healed. My kids are never going to serve the Lord. I'm never going to have what they have. And, and, and we're working against God, and we're walking circle after circle after circle. And God's like, I wish you could get it together so that I could take you into the promised land. I wish you'd stop complaining about what I'm, I'm not doing and focus on the miracles. Listen, these people had bread coming down from heaven. They were fed. They were clothed. They were protected. And all they could do was focus on complaining. Watch your words. You know, the Bible talks about different snares or traps of the enemy. And, and, and some of those are sin, obviously. But, but one of the, the, in the Proverbs talks about that actually your words will be a trap or a snare, a stumbling block to you. So, so watch your words. I know it sounds like uh, Christian 101, but, but take an inventory. Have you been talking uh, like the Lord would want you to, like the Bible says? Or have you let your circumstances put you in such a place of pressure that now you're spewing complaints? That, that now we might not realize it, but we're speaking against what God wants to do in our lives. Don't talk, don't talk against God. The best thing you can do is shut your mouth and embrace it. Yield to what he wants to do. Yield to what he wants to do in your life. Point number two is this. Are you all still with me tonight? Yes. Second mistake that the Israelites made was in Exodus 32, you can write it down and go back and read it later. They build an idol. They build an idol. So when you're in the process of through, don't go building idols. The Bible says that, that Moses had gone up on the mountain to talk to God, and Aaron was in charge of the people, and they, they, were, they were saying, where is Moses? Uh, you know, he's left us. This, this person who's supposed to bring us out of Egypt, he's nowhere to be found. And so Aaron says, all right, bring all of your gold jewelry, and we're going to build an idol. And so they built an idol, and the Israelites started worshiping. He said, these are now your gods. Worship these gods. And so, so they started to worship them. And, and meanwhile, God is telling Moses, like, your people are down there, and they're worshiping idols. You need to go take care of them because I'm about ready to kill them all. And, and Moses uh, intercedes for them. But, but I was thinking about that and how it's so easy when we can't see what God is doing in that process, when it feels like maybe we're in the desert season on the way to our promise, uh, when we feel like, God, where are you, to then start creating and building idols for us to worship, to start creating things on our own, to start stepping out of what God is doing, right? Because it's when, when his thumb's on us and trying to do something and, and take us through a process, if we can make a way of escape and create something in our own strength, something that's lovely even in the desert, you know, something that looks good, uh, even though it's not God. Something that would be uh, an easy point A to point B, like microwave promise. Like, God, I want to take that. I want to take that route out. I don't want to be stuck in the process. 
So don't create your own thing and don't attach yourself to a shortcut. Don't create your own thing and don't attach yourself to a shortcut. You know, it's, it's, I think about um, Abraham and Sarah in the Bible. And if you know the story, you know that Abraham and Sarah, they got a promise. And their, their promised land didn't come until years and years and years later when, when their promised child was born. His name was Isaac. And so Sarah, in Genesis 16, she gets this great idea. And she's like, Abram, you take my maidservant, Hagar, and you go have a baby. And so what was Sarah doing? She was trying to divert off of the through, and she was trying to create something else in her own strength. She, she was trying to make something happen that wasn't God. And so, so we see here that the, now there, there's a problem because there's Ishmael and there's Isaac and they're going head to head. And I tell you all of that because, you know, in our lives, it's really easy to create Ishmael's, which uh, has become a real problem if you, if you know uh, Muslims and, and, and that whole religion was birthed out of what Hagar and Sarah did uh, in, in that moment. But but we see here that when we try to create things, we make a mess in and of ourselves. We make a mess. And this past weekend, I went into all of that. It must have been subconsciously on my mind because I preached out of Genesis 16 at the, at the conference that I was at. And then we went to Boston to walk around and we saw a nice gentleman and he was serving up crepes and he started asking me questions. And I'm like, oh man, like... I'm just trying to relax. Like, I don't want to be quizzed for, for theology here. And, um, and he, he, but the funny thing was, he didn't know that I had just preached out of that passage of Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac. And, and he goes on and he said, oh, you're a Christian. And I'm like, yeah. And, and he's like, well, well, what kind of faith are you? And I'm like, Christian faith. <laughs> like, we're Christian. And he said, so you believe in Jesus? And I'm like, yeah. Like, why wouldn't we believe in Je Yeah, yeah, we're Christians. We believe in Jesus. Yeah. He said, so you believe in the Trinity? I'm like, yes, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe in the Trinity. Yes. I'm like, yes, 10 out of 10. And, and, um, and then he goes on and he says, do you think I'm a Christian? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he said, do you think I, I like Jesus or I love Jesus? And I'm like, yeah? And, and he said, what makes you think that? And I'm like, well, you seem really nice. Like, I didn't want to offend him. It was late at night. And, 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 and so he goes on and he says, no, I'm not. He said, he said I don't believe uh, that Jesus was the Messiah. I believe he was a nice man or a, a prophet. Um, he said, so guess what religion I am? And I'm like, you foul devil. You're trying to play games with <laughs> So, uh, you know, in that moment, how many of you have ever been in a moment like that? Like, blank. And I'm like, uh, I start going through. He's like, nope, nope, nope. And he said, you know, I'm a Muslim. And, um, and so then he gives us a riddle. And Rachel and I were laughing because we're like, what was he talking about? And then I went back to my hotel room and I'm like, Genesis 16. And so, so he was talking about a, a yolk with uh, an egg with two yolks in it. And he said, what do you do with an egg with two twin yolks in it. And if Mia were here, my youngest daughter, she would laugh because in my blonde moment, I said, well, you'd have twin chickens. <laughs> and he was probably like, yeah, this is why Christianity is like all messed up. So, um, 
But I, I went back to the hotel room. I'm like, duh, I just, I just preached out of Genesis 16. He was talking about Ishmael and Isaac. He was talking about, uh, you know, the mess that was created between Hagar and Sarah and how we are from the line of Abram. And so, so I was just thinking about how quickly, though, in the middle of our through, in the middle of our desert experience or our, when, God, are you going to show up in my life, do we try to create Ishmaels that create a mess? That we, maybe God's called you to the ministry and your ministry hasn't opened up yet. So you just, instead of going through the process, we try to take a detour and start our own thing. You know how many bad ministries have started that way? Do you know how many people have quit and burn out because they wouldn't do the through? They wouldn't commit to the process of character? Character sometimes has to catch up to your calling. And that happens in the through. Character has to catch up with your calling. That when we try to hightail it, when we try to take the exit, when we try to create idols and do it our own way, God gets dishonored in it and we get destroyed. God doesn't want you to be destroyed, so he's taking you in the through. He's developing in you. He wants you to build faith. He wants you to build trust. It's not a matter, remember, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen because we don't go through things wondering if we're going to have victory because of Jesus Christ because Jesus went through it for us. Think about the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said, I don't want to go through this, basically, but if it's your will, but, but, but if I don't have to go through it, take this cup from me. But nonetheless, your, your will be done. Jesus went through it. He didn't want to do it, but he did it for you and for me. God could, have, God could have said, you know what, Jesus, you don't have to go through this. I'm going to take you from point A to point C. If Jesus had to go through it, we're going to go through it. But the difference is Jesus went through it so that now we could go through it with victory. So that we don't have to, he suffered so we don't have to go through it in suffering. He went through it so that now whatever we go through, we can say, you know what? I have the victory in it. I have peace. I have joy. Even when I can't feel him or see him because of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives in me, I have victory in this season of through. And so understanding that, that you know what, there's, there's things that God is working in me, maturing me, developing me, and when I come to the other side, I'm going to have victory. I don't need to create idols. You know, what the, Egypt, what the Israelites that came out of Egypt, they were reverting some, to back to something that was normal to them. Because in Egypt, a lot of them had conformed to worshiping these idols instead of God. So whenever they felt like they were in the desert, they went back to old patterns, you better be careful. When you feel like you're in the desert, do you go resort back to old things that you used to do? Do you go back to old relationships? Do you go back to old attitudes? Do you go back uh, to gossiping and talking about people and backbiting, coming into a church or a women's ministry, and, and you know, the second somebody offends you, you, you just can't have it anymore? No, we need to be going through, changing, becoming more like Jesus Christ. Not letting those things trip us up anymore. So really understanding that God wants to do something in you in the through. Amen? Amen. All right, so don't build idols. Don't complain. And number three is this. Don't forfeit the promise. Don't forfeit the promise. What does the Bible say? It says, if you don't grow weary 
in well-doing. If you faint not at the appointed time, you will reap your harvest. There is an appointed promised land. There's an appointed time. If you feel like God's forgotten about you, if you feel stuck, go back and say, God, have I been complaining? I repent of that. I want to speak blessing over that promise. God, have I been trying to do things in my own strength and create idols and try to make a, a path where there is no path? Because if God opens a door, no man can close it. Am I trying to do that? And, and if it's no, then you need to say, you know what? What I need to do is I need to stand strong because there's an appointed time for my promised land. And the enemy would love nothing more than to get you tired and weary and to quit and forfeit the promise. Do you know that's what happened to the Israelites? We see in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1, it's telling us that, that the whole, that whole first generation, except for two, Caleb and Joshua, couldn't enter into the promised land. After all that time in the desert... They ate their own words. They died in the desert. After all of that time contending to get through the through process, they quit and they forfeited on their promise. That, that Moses said, look, we're going to go into this land. We're going to take over. God's going to give us victory. And they sent spies in and only two of the spies said, yes, we can do this. The other ones were like, no, we're toast. We're never going to come through this thing. And they forfeited. They quit. They said, it's too hard. I'm too tired. I don't believe that God's going to do it. He brought us up to this point, and he's just going to let us be defeated. In fact, they tried to do it in their own strength once again. And I just want to encourage you tonight, whatever it is you're believing God for, maybe, maybe everything's going great, and you just want more of God. Maybe you're like, you know what? I feel like I'm stuck in my spiritual journey. I feel like I'm bored. I feel like I'm stagnant. I, don't quit. Now, keep doing the right things that you knew to do to get here, and God's going to increase upon your life. Maybe, you know, you're like, you know what, I, I, I've taken every ounce of faith for me to get to this point, and now, thanks God, now thanks now for the breakthrough. Like, I'm exhausted. My husband and I say that all the time. We're like, yeah, 20-some years of ministry. When we finally, like, feel like we, we get to that breakthrough, we're going to be tired. We're going to need the, the strength of the Lord to give us another jolt and a new anointing. That's why he gives you a fresh anointing for every new season that you walk in. Because when you come through the through, you, sometimes you're just tired. And you're like, God, uh, this would have been great 20 years ago. And he's like, I have an appointed time. I haven't forgotten about you. My promises don't expire. If you'll commit to the process, if you'll walk through this, you're not going through it alone. He's watching over every promise that he's spoken over your life. Amen? Amen. You can stand to your feet in this place. In the worship band, you can come and play. So don't forfeit on the promise. Don't quit on God because God will not quit on you. Commit to the through. Commit to the through. So the next time you feel like you're telling yourself, man, I'm really going through it, I want you to remember that the through is actually moving you forward to a plan and a purpose. And when you want to get off that potter's wheel, when you want to get off of that place that, that it's uncomfortable, when you want to get off of that place that it feels dry, it feels like nothing's coming to pass, I want you to remind yourself that there is an appointed time that Moses said, when you enter the promised land, when you enter, Hebrews 11, now faith, 
Now faith. It's happened. It just needs to manifest. It happened. I just need to get to my promised land now. Don't forfeit. Don't give up on what God wants to do. Amen? Amen. We're going to take some time. And we're going to pray for breakthrough tonight. We're going to believe God that any heaviness, any weariness, anything like discouragement would come off of you in the through, that you would be filled with fresh faith tonight. I wanted to preach like a faith message, an exciting message on the other end of faith. And I really felt like the Lord had me hone in on the through. So in the through, I want to impart to you fresh faith and spiritual strength for breakthrough, for endurance, for patience to see it come to pass. Biblical patience, we say it all the time, isn't just waiting. Like, oh, when are you going to do it? Waiting and complaining, waiting and complaining. No, it's, it's you doing everything that you know to do to sow a good harvest until it breaks through. Until it breaks through. And you will get weary in well-doing. So renew your strength in the presence of the Lord tonight. Renew your strength in the anointing in moments like this. Don't waste the altar time where God's like, I brought you to this place and you're going to fake it till you make it. I brought you to a place of refreshing and you're just going to leave just like you came in. No. Say, God, I want your strength to get to the other side of the through. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I just need to remind myself that there is a promise on the other side of this. I need to remind myself of the promise. Stop meditating on your circumstances. Stop meditating on the hurt and the pain and get a vision of what the milk and honey feels like. Get a vision of what that what you're believing God for feels like in your life. So tonight we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe that God does a new work in you. But don't leave, don't leave the same that you came. And I'm not saying we need to cry and, and boo-hoo at the altar. No, this is a place of victory. And sometimes it's, it's a place of that moment with the Lord. And sometimes you cry, sometimes you laugh, sometimes you uh, just get filled with faith and excitement. But don't miss this moment with God. So before we pray, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a question. And that is, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Maybe you were hearing me talk and you said, you know what, it feels a whole lot like I'm going through this thing alone. And if that's you, I would say, do you, have you ever think of a moment that you ask Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior? Not knowing about God, but knowing Him in a real way. The Bible says that, that when, when you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, that His Spirit fills you. And now you have a helper. Now you have a, a counselor. You have a comforter. You have a standby. And so if you say, that's me tonight. I've never prayed that prayer, but I want to pray tonight. Raise your hand up before the Lord with no one looking around, and I'd love to pray for you in this place. Anyone at all? I see your hand. Praise God. Anyone at all? I want you to do me a favor and take a moment, because we're all sisters in Christ, and I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, do you need to go up there? I'll go with you. If they said yes, take them down the altar walk with them you need a friend sometimes we need a rib we need a rib to stand by us if you raised your hand and you want to come up and pray hallelujah praise God
Hallelujah. See, it's not so scary. I told you all my embarrassing stories, so this is like nothing. <laughs> Praise God. Come on down, fill the altar. Come forward. Well, this is the best decision that you will ever make. Because not only will God now walk through anything that you go through with you, you're not alone, but now your eternity is going to be spent in heaven with Him. And it changes everything. Having that personal relationship with Jesus Christ changes everything. So if you're saying, yes, I want to ask Jesus into my heart, raise your hand up high. That's you tonight. And everyone else is just here for prayer. So you can pray after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ who died for my sins. I ask him into my heart tonight as my personal Lord and Savior and my very best friend. No longer do I live for myself, but I live for him. And I have victory in every battle that I face. In Jesus' name. All right, well, everyone else is just up here for some prayer, right? Some courage and faith if you've been going through it. Doesn't it feel good just to know, like, I'm not crazy, I'm not alone, I'm not isolated, uh, that, that we're in this thing together, not only with sisters in Christ, but, but the one who never leaves us. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Joey Miller Podcast today. I pray you were blessed by God's Word. I pray that the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and ministering to you, that His grace is empowering you to be everything that you're called to be. Well, until next time, I'll see you on the Joey Miller Podcast.